0: All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Speaking of Pumpkins and Presents. Hey, sir. happy Halloween today. Uh, is there anything you're planning to hand out tonight to trick-or-treaters? <laughs> oh, you know that I am, Jane,
1: and happy yes. Halloween to you, too. Thanks. I think, you know, you and I were talking about this recently, actually, all the hand-wringing I've done over the years to find a green alternative to hand out to trick-or-treaters and how I eventually hit on an idea that works. I am excited to be handing it out again this year. I'm intrigued. What is this green alternative that you hand out? Well, as you know, one of the things that happens when you work as a recycling coordinator is you end up thinking a lot about packaging. You know, it's one of those difficult to recycle elements in our day-to-day life. And you think about it all the time. All the time. I completely (laughs) empathize. Right. Right. And so back in my recycling coordinator days, this terrible thing happened where I'd be greeting trick-or-treaters at my door who were holding out pillowcases to fill with candy. But suddenly all I could see were those wrappers, you know, dozens upon dozens of wrappers, if not hundreds of them, in each bag that these kids were toting around, all of which were destined for the landfill later
0: that week. And I thought, you know, there's got to be a better way. I know exactly what you mean. You start thinking about how none of that is recyclable. And even though it's small little wrappers, they really do add up. And we see an increase in consumption every Halloween, thus an increase in waste. A lot of that are things like disposable plastic masks and such, but candy wrappers are a big chunk of it too. Right. But you know the problem was that the alternatives weren't great so when i started
1: looking around for something else to hand out what kept popping up were things like plastic toys and games plastic spider rings you know those little goblin finger puppets things like that which obviously are not any better and even the less plasticky possibilities like pencils i had questions about because i overthink things um you know because they had halloween patterns on them so you're handing them out on halloween Are kids gonna use them the next day or hold on to them to use the next year? It just wasn't clear to me. And so finally, finally, after years of thinking about this, I hit on a solution. I was struck by how much my nephews like clementine oranges and how that orange peel is really like an all natural wrapper that thanks to our curbside composting program could even be composted. So it was a zero waste alternative at long last. I will say my partner was very skeptical that kids would want them. He did ask me not to get our house egged by handing out unusual treats, but actually they've proven to be very popular. You know, I don't know if it's because it's the novelty of an orange in a bucket of candy, or maybe it's because I draw little jack-o'-lantern faces on them, which I actually even brought in. See, (laughs) So at long last, I have a satisfying solution to a problem that vexed me for years.
0: I absolutely love that, Sarah. You know, we talk about how to green your Halloween around this time of year, and this is the perfect example of a fun waste-free alternative for treats. Love it.
1: Well, thank you. You know, I think it also shows how finding those solutions can also be satisfying and arrive at a fun place, which is not always the reputation that searching for solutions has. But you know, I actually, Jane, before we go any further, let's do a bit of our usual housekeeping or it'll get lost in this fun discussion. Um, As you know, speaking of events are meant to be casual and interactive. Folks listening in, you will not see slides or charts, but you will have lots of opportunity to ask questions and engage.
0: Yeah, thanks for noting that, Sarah. And it also seems fitting for Halloween to note that last time I think we may have jinxed ourselves just a little bit. Uh, Last month was the first time that we didn't mention the potential for Zoom issues and how if one of us cuts out, we'll be right back. So of course we had a Zoom issue last month. Uh, we've worked with our communication staff. I think we've sorted out, uh, you know, the difficulties there. But just not to jinx us, you know, again this year we will say if one of us freezes or cuts out, we've got help waiting in the wings, and we'll be right back. So, Sarah, you ready to delve into our pumpkins and presents discussion today? I think we
1: are, you know, um, Jane and I actually went back and forth on what to title this event. We landed on pumpkins and presents because we thought it really captured the spirit of the topic today. The holidays, which are such an interesting window into environmental and waste impacts in particular. And to be clear, we are both very pro holiday. There are so many great holidays this time of year, Halloween, Diwali, Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Las Posadas, Solstice, Christmas, Kwanzaa, you name it. This discussion isn't going to be a dour suggestion that anyone abandon merriment, but we are going to talk a bit about how you can have all that fun while still reducing the environmental impact along the way. And since many of these holidays involve feasting and gift giving, a lot of the impact we will be discussing today is waste related. But during the last speaking of, we had a great recommendation to highlight energy use during the holidays too, so I have been doing a bit of
0: related homework, which we'll get to later. Yeah, that's a wonderful example of just one of the things that we love about this event series, the audience participation. We really appreciate suggestions like this. So, yes, we'll be touching on the energy impact during this time of year as well.
1: You know, since it's Halloween and pumpkins are a popular decoration to celebrate, why don't we start there with talking about pumpkins and other organics and what happens to them in the composting process?
0: Great idea. Yeah. So once our pumpkins start to look not so perky, composting is a great environmentally friendly disposal option. In Iowa City, residents that have curbside composting can place their pumpkins directly in their yellow top carts. Uh, Before you toss it in the cart, though, make sure to remove any candles, lights, decorations, etc. that you may have decorated your pumpkin with. For residents that maybe don't have curbside composting, we still have options. So anyone that lives in Johnson County, any resident within Johnson County can always take their pumpkins and other compostables directly out to the Iowa City Landfills Compost Facility, and that's no cost to residents
1: fun. You know, even though I have curbside composting, I would almost take mine out to the landfill just because I find the process you've got going out there so interesting. But you know, Jane, it is a little out of sight, out of mind. For those listening in who maybe haven't had the opportunity to tour that facility, could you just take us through a little of the process, what's going to happen to those jack-o'-lanterns once they land there?
0: Yeah, yeah, great idea, Sarah. So at this point, our compost operators at the landfill feed the organic material through a large piece of equipment called a grinder. The grinder tears the material up into evenly sized pieces. And then what we do is we shape that material into long rows that we call windrows. Um, this is really when that facilitated decomposition process begins. So the material is already naturally breaking down with the assistance of bugs, worms, microbes, bacteria that are naturally occurring in that organics material mix. Um, so to facilitate this process along, our staff turn those windrows once a month to regulate the temperature and that also provides the piles with some oxygen too. Jane,
1: could you maybe delve into a little more what you mean by regulate the temperature?
0: Yeah, of course. So the bugs, worms, etc. They're working away breaking that material down. Um, During that time, they're also producing a few things. So they've got some water vapor, some carbon dioxide, and also some heat. Um, So to be clear to you, this is all natural. This is all natural decomposition so far that we've talked about. So because of this, it's totally normal for uh, the center of those piles to be around 150 degrees, even in the middle of the winter. So even when it's 10 below in January, those piles are cooking. Um, So when our staff turns the piles, we help to cool them a bit. We add more oxygen, which makes those bugs happy. Um, as they thrive in an aerobic environment, so it keeps those bugs healthy, also helps the material to process a little bit more evenly, too.
1: Wow, those lucky bugs living in a warm, cozy compost pile all winter long. So how long does it take to process this material into a finished compost product? I know a lot of places cure theirs for six months, but I seem to remember you telling me here we actually do it a bit longer
0: yeah good memory so from start to finish in our process it takes about a year during that time we turn those piles once per month as as we talked about um and then we also need to make sure that we maintain a temperature of at least 132 degrees for a two-week period sarah i'm sure you know uh why this might be but i will ask you anyway why do you think this is
1: Well, you know, one thing I know is that having it above that temperature for a sustained period of time ensures that harmful bacteria is
0: killed off. That's right. Yep. Um, So that's one of the big reasons, very important. In addition to that, that sustained high temperature measure makes it so we can confidently tell residents that it is safe to put invasive species in their compost, invasive species such as garlic mustard. That's a popular one that we get a lot of questions about locally. So confidently being able to tell our residents, hey, you can put your garlic mustard in your curbside composting cart. Um, Once the compost is finished cooking we feed that material through another piece of equipment called a screener and that pulls out any contaminants or maybe large pieces of organic material that just didn't quite break down yet. Um, And some of those larger pieces of organic material will actually just put through the compost process again just to give it some added time uh, to break down. So we feed it through a screener then we let that pile sit for about a month to return to ambient temperature and then at that point it's officially compost. That's such a cool process
1: you know what a great program we have. One of the things that I know I love as someone who had a backyard compost bin for many many years is how much additional stuff I can include in our compost material that I wouldn't have been able to compost on my own because I just couldn't achieve those same high temperatures. I didn't have the same kind of bulk you know, beyond pumpkins and yard waste items, this facility also accepts co- and compost food waste items like eggshells and coffee grounds and fruit and veggie peels, including those orange peels from my trick-or-treaters. So that makes me really happy.
0: Way to bring it full circle, Sarah. Yeah, we, we do. Uh, and, you know, we're one of the very few compost facilities in the state of Iowa right now that is composting food waste. And we're really proud of that, um, being able to add that in several years back. I'm also really glad you brought up food waste, Sarah, because this is another really hot topic during the holiday season uh, that we talk a lot about in the outreach and education that we do. We've got lots of parties, meal gatherings, and other celebrations during this time, which results in a lot of food. Also, because of that, results in a lot of food waste.
1: They do, and boy, you know, we are fast approaching a number of great holidays in terms of feasts. Diwali, I know, happened just last week, and in a few weeks more, we'll have Thanksgiving. I know that composting is a great alternative to landfilling if and when food waste is produced, no matter the holiday or time of year. And I know that's something we've talked about before, but we also like to highlight some ways that residents can prevent food waste in the first place. You know, I know you and I can share some suggestions, but we also wanted to open this up to the audience to learn what each of you do at home to reduce food waste during the holidays. This is a great time. If you've not been in a speaking of discussion before, we usually use the Q&A box for this. You'll find it at the bottom of your screen if you wanna open it up and then uh, maybe just type an answer in the Q&A box and we'll read them out loud. What do you do to cut down on food waste?
0: Yeah, and Sarah, I think we may have a participant that raised their hand. So if there is a question or a comment, please feel free to add that to the Q&A, and, and we can certainly engage with that as well.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, we don't have a great way of unmuting people. It's our one Achilles heel in these discussions. But if yeah. you type it in, we're happy to answer it.
0: Yes, absolutely. The webinar platform is just a little bit different than a typical Zoom meeting. So only Sarah and I have camera and mic access. Okay, so while we let some of those roll in, uh, Sarah, you want to hear one of my favorites? I'd love it. Let's hear it. So one of my favorite tips this time of year, and, you know, again, revolving around food, especially, is to make a shopping list before we go to the grocery store. Um, The reason I bring this up, it's a really simple task, super effective at keeping us on track to only buy what what we need when we go to the store. And the reason for that is to make a list. And again, this seems so obvious, but to make a list, we usually have to look in our refrigerator or our pantry. We have to determine what ingredients engage exactly what we already have to calculate, well, what do we need for other ingredients to make uh, the different dishes for holidays coming up, right? Um, so this instantly makes it so we are more mindful of the food that we already have heading to the store with a list also makes it so we're less likely to overbuy, which is another great way to reduce food waste. So, um, I'm not seeing quite anything yet, Hmm. but again, if anybody has, oh, we may have just had something share meal leftovers with guests, send them home with to-go boxes. I love it, Anne. Thank you.
1: Yeah, Jane and I actually were talking about this last year when the question came up, what to do with uh, takeout containers Mm -hmm. uh, that may or may not be easy to recycle. We talked about keeping those on hand so that when you have holiday guests over, you can use them to send leftovers home. I have a great
0: friend who does that. It's always a treat and so smart. Yeah, Yeah, and man, I mean, clamshells, especially, it's such a big discussion. And at some point, even if we're really careful, we usually end up with some of them. So, yeah, great alternative use for those. All right. If we have any other attendees that want to share, please feel free to type those in. Um, Sarah, do you have any tips that you'd like to share?
1: Um, well, you know, I, I guess I can say one thing I really love to do on years when we celebrate with family and uh, a family member makes a turkey. We don't always, but sometimes people we love do, and that's great. You know, that's part of celebrating the holidays together yeah. is that uh, before disposing of the turkey carcass to put it in a pot on a low simmer the next day to make a nice stock. That's not exactly the same as reducing food waste, but it is related. It's making sure we get the full use of that food item before we send those bones on to be composted.
0: That's a great one, Sarah. So what do you make with the stock then?
1: Oh man, all kinds of soups. Pretty much anything that calls for chicken broth in my experience is even better made with turkey stock. But you know, there are other kinds of waste generated in the course of putting together these feasts. Um, I think, since we're not getting a lot of other questions in, maybe, Jane, do you want to give us your elevator pitch as our recycling coordinator about what to do with those other things? I'm thinking of things like used cooking oil, for example. You're not going to make stock out of that.
0: Yeah, happily. So if anyone fries a turkey or has oil left over, say, from uh, latkes, fried for Hanukkah, Uh, You can recycle that leftover cooking oil at either the Eastside Recycling Center or the landfill. We've got oil recycling programs at both those locations. Before you bring it to us, let that oil cool off, pour it into a container uh, that is able to be sealed. The bottle that it came in is always a great option. if it doesn't already have a label on it, sometimes you know if you're putting it directly back in that bottle, it says cooking oil. If it doesn't, make sure you write used cooking oil on it because we've got other things happening in the oil recycling shed too. So we wanna make sure we sort that properly um, and then bring it to either location to drop off. Um, if you drink wine or beer at a celebration, recycle those bottles, uh, those glass bottles along with mayo, mustard or other glass jars at any of our drop-off locations. And I will uh, name all of them right now because we've had so many changes to this this year. So you've heard me talk a lot about Eastside Recycling Center and the landfill. Those are certainly two great options for glass recycling. The third recycling drop-off that we have is South Riverside Recycling Center. So those are kind of the three big recycling hubs in town. Earlier this year, though, we added three additional drop-off locations that are just for glass. So there is literally a purple bin sitting in a parking lot at these locations, and those include Upper City Park on the north side, the rec center downtown Iowa City, and then um, the Coralville Recycling Center over in Coralville. So any of these locations, residents can look for the purple bin, recycle any glass that they have. Um, and then of course, as we know, there's way more than just oil and glass that we're encountering during the holidays. So if we have other materials, we always recommend to check out icgov.org slash recycle, or that's what I'm here for. You can always talk to me uh, to get those questions answered as well.
1: And it's a purple bin is automatically glass recycling, no matter where it's located, right? Even if it's not a glass only, like at someplace like Eastside, when you see the purple bin,
0: you know that's for glass, right? Correct. Any all of our glass bins at this point are purple. So if you see that purple bin, you know where to go for any sort of glass that you have.
1: Oh, that's so cool. Thanks for the pro tip, Jane. You know, we had mentioned Diwali earlier, which sometimes also gets celebrated with small fireworks. And that actually reminds me of a question I had wanted to ask you previously. A lot of firecrackers are packed in cardboard tubes. I'm thinking of things like, you know, the little mortar tubes or even Christmas crackers. After they've been lit and extinguished, can those spent cardboard tubes be recycled?
0: I'm glad you asked that. Uh, you know, with so many other types of materials, there may be a few examples that might be recyclable. We can always have that argument, and I know you and I love to debate on different things. With you know that uh, this exact example, right? Um, but I would say, with the vast diversity of fireworks out there, in all sorts of varying packaging. Uh, The safest answer is regular trash. Once everything that has been lit is completely out and cool. That's a very important detail.
1: Hmm, Thanks, that's useful to know. And you know, people light firecrackers on New Year's Eve too, so it's all the more timely. Um, Speaking of New Year's Eve, should we talk about some December holiday waste issues? Maybe starting with lights? I know this is something both you and I have a lot to say about.
0: I like it. Let's do it. And, you know, we actually get a lot of questions about holiday light recycling at the end of November, because it's usually when people start to pull out decorations and realize that some strands have burnt out. So for those burnt out strands, we have several locations where they can be dropped off for recycling in Iowa City. Uh, To be clear, not yet. The program has not started yet, but it will soon. Um, so in Iowa City, that's the landfill and Eastside Recycling Center, of course, uh, we will have a bin staged in that oil recycling shed that we just talked about at Eastside. Um, And then the landfill, a new one this year as well, we've got City Hall downtown that will have holiday lights recycling. There's also several locations throughout Coraville. So if you live in Coraville or North Liberty, uh, there is likely a location pretty close by to you. So this uh, recycling drop-off program will run from November 21st of this year through January 9th, 2023. Wow, November 21st, that's just a few weeks away from the start of that program. You know, this is,
1: I think, a great example of a specialized recycling program, which is different from a cardboard box or a plastic bottle, the things that you put in your curbside recycling. Light strands should not go in your curbside recycling bin as they are a major issue at sorting facilities. They get caught and tangled around the equipment, causing safety and operational hazards. They can really damage that equipment and it's dangerous to remove. You know, that's why we call this uh, category of contaminants tanglers. Garden hoses, rope, and other similarly ropey items fit into that
0: category too. Yeah, tanglers are a major issue at recycling sorting facilities and with holiday light displays and gift giving another concerning concerning contaminant that we see this time of year are batteries. Um, If these end up in your trash or recycling bin, they can cause fires down the line at the sorting facility or at the landfill. Also, not to mention releasing hazardous materials into the air, which is another major concern so similar to holiday lights batteries are recyclable just, you know, as you said, Sarah, in a more specialized way that is different than your curbside recycling.
1: You know, a colleague of mine here in City Hall was asking me about battery recycling just the other day and was surprised to hear about all the places that they can be taken for recycling. I know that it is something that we've talked about before, but, you know, Jane, why don't we run through the list of battery drop-off sites, um, again, just for anyone who might not have heard it before.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Sarah. We have really expanded the drop-off battery program in recent years, so it's not surprising if everyone isn't aware of all those drop-off locations. Uh, But all those locations really are helping to make it more convenient for residents to dispose of batteries properly. And of course, you know, the motivation behind all this, it's way better than those batteries ending up at the landfill where they could cause a fire. You know, that's that's really been the major motivation for expanding this program so folks can drop off batteries to be recycled in Iowa City at both Ace Hardware. So Mall Drive, North Dodge at City Hall downtown, at fire station number two, which is on the west side of town, and then of course the landfill. For anyone that lives in Coralville or North Liberty, we have also set up collection locations at each of their community rec centers. Thanks for that, Jane.
1: You know, the other issue with holiday lights, and I'm sure this is why we were asked to talk about it, is energy usage and their combined impact on electricity bills. Those little lights can really add up. They're small, but they pack a punch. You know, a study done by the U.S. Department of Energy back in 2008 found that decorative lights consumed a total of 6.6 billion kilowatt hours of electricity every year, 6.6 billion. That was more than the total annual usage of entire countries like Nepal and Tanzania. That's the bad news. The good news, and I just love to hold this up as a little climate victory, is that this is an area where LED lights have really made a difference. LED lights can be between 75% and 90% more efficient. On the household level, I've seen Department of Energy data that estimated a cost of only 27 cents per day to use LED lights on a tree versus $10 a day using incandescence. It's a huge difference. And we know people aren't just putting those lights on trees. Think about all those roof lines and bushes that you see getting lit
0: up. That is really striking. Wow, that's a great statistic. Thanks for sharing that, Sarah. Uh, you know the reason I love those LED light strands, though? Oh, do tell. Well, I'm, I'm sure you're not going to be surprised by this. Uh, but you know they can last 25 times longer than the old incandescent strands. And I've also seen some Department of Energy estimates that suggest strands of LED holiday lights bought today could still be in use 40 holidays from now. 40 holidays from now. That means in the near near future, as those old incandescent strands get completely phased out, hopefully we will likely see a dramatic drop in those tanglers going through our system.
1: Oh my gosh, that would be like a holiday gift for those recycling facility workers You know, I don't know if you've ever seen, Jane, how they have to like climb out on the big scary metal rollers to cut those tanglers loose when they get caught up in the system. Mm -hmm. But it definitely looks like something I would never want to do. Mm -hmm. And that's not the only way those LED lights are safer. They also don't get hot to the touch. You know, I don't think we think about this as often, but it it doesn't just mean that they won't scorch your fingers if you touch them. It also means they're far less
0: likely to do something like start a tree fire. For sure. And, you know, if people want to reduce their energy usage further this time of year, they can also put those lights on a timer to turn off after a certain hour, like midnight, when no one is going to be much awake to see them anyway.
1: I love that idea because, you know, you are right. Even though those strands of LED lights may not add much to our individual electricity bills like 27 cents a day doesn't sound like all that much cumulatively, they can not still add up. A 75% reduction in energy usage still means there's something like 1.6 billion extra holiday kilowatt hours used nationally. And turning them off before you head to bed or having them on a timer to turn off late at night is a great idea to help address that remaining usage.
0: Yeah. Yep. Absolutely, Sarah. Um, so, so far, we've covered some of the hazards we might be seeing entering the waste stream around the holidays but I think we should also delve into some other common holiday contaminants that might not cause fires but certainly can be problematic in other ways when they show up in the recycling bin. That's a
1: great idea Jane. You know the most obvious one that I'm sure you're thinking of is wrapping paper. Any thoughts you
0: want to share on that? Yes, I do have some thoughts and I have a few examples today too, Sarah. So if it's just plain paper, find a recycle. Um, And I mean, plain paper, like we're talking craft paper, no coating on it, that type of thing. Um, If gift wrap has a plastic glitter or metallic coating, not recyclable. Um, and that also goes for greeting cards or decorations with a similar coating. So, the two examples of that that I have today are greeting cards. So, this one you can see it's kind of shiny. Um, that's a great example of metallic coating. And then I've got a whopper for you here. This is uh, a birthday card that I received, and it is extremely glittery. And, uh, you know, although it's beautiful, I will keep it forever um it cannot be recycled so you know these are two examples of coating and then like i said that third category of um the really thick kind of plastic coating that we sometimes see both glitter and metallic gift wrap are very popular around this time of year so good to know for the audience today yeah i like that
1: today's the day we both brought
0: visual aids
1: You know, with some like with so many other examples that we see, keeping it simple really can simplify the disposal. Like The more complex an object is, the more parts there are, the trickier it gets to recycle. I know these are materials you get asked about throughout the year, but they become especially in focus this time of year. You want to go back to talking about packaging? At the top of the hour, I talked about how I became a little obsessed with it as a recycling coordinator. I know this is something you think about a lot, too. You want to talk about plastic film and styrofoam next
0: yeah yep those are two categories that are kind of a reality year-round but especially an issue during the holidays so yes neither of these materials are recyclable via city programs no matter if you see that recycling symbol stamped on the package for those of you that have been with us at previous speaking of's you've heard us Really delve into misleading uh, stamped on recycling symbols so do not always trust that, especially on these types of items. Uh, Even with that you know with us saying they're not accepted, we do it's common for there to be an increase in plastic film and styrofoam contamination in recycling loads during the holidays. Why? Well, there's a lot of gift giving, online shopping, both result in a lot of packaging material, just you know, with how things are shipped and uh, packaged. So we know it's difficult sometimes, but the best solution for styrofoam is just to use less of it. Uh, for plastic film, some types can be recycled via plastic bag recycling programs at participating stores. But in those cases, we always recommend to check with the store.
1: You know, speaking of stores, a great reuse idea that you recently told me about is the opportunity to drop some of those materials off at a few local businesses. I had no idea. This is really cool. You were telling me that mailboxes of Iowa City accepts clean, gently used bubble wrap, air pockets, and styrofoam peanuts. That's so cool. And if I'm remembering it correctly, you also said the UPS store will accept certain types of block styrofoam to reuse and packing shipping boxes, is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah, good memory, that is correct. Um, Some great reuse options there. So as with any program that's not managed by the city, we recommend checking with the business that is hosting the program. Uh, Things change, especially we've learned that through a pandemic environment. So check with those businesses to learn about how to use those programs correctly.
1: So Jane, we've talked about a lot of materials and there I know are a whole lot more that we won't be able to hit on today. Mm -hmm. Um, But why don't we go back to the Q&A box and see if we can at least cover any materials folks listening in came today with questions about. So we'll just open the Q&A back up. And if anybody wants to type in a question they have there, uh, we'll be sure to get those answered before we're done today.
0: Yeah, great idea, Sarah. Let's see if we've got anything. We might have a quiet group today. That's okay. You and I certainly have plenty to talk about. You know, while we're
1: waiting, um, are there maybe, uh, is there maybe a big takeaway on recycling and disposal during this time that folks can use as a good rule of thumb?
0: Yeah, Uh, simply put, if you don't know, don't toss it in the bin. Uh, Always check with your local program or me. Um, We've got guides, you know, handouts for both uh, recycling and composting. We've got a lot of other information on our website. And then we have staff like me that's happy to answer any questions and clear up any confusions there just to make sure we're all using those programs correctly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I should say, like, if you don't want to answer or ask a question during the uh, participation today, that's totally fine. Like, we also answer questions by email or Mm -hmm. uh, phone call all the time. You can always reach me at sgardner at iowa-city.org. And you can reach Jane at wilch at Iowa City or iowa-city.org. And actually, we use those questions that we get during email or through email to uh, come up with ideas for discussions like this.
0: Yeah, yep. And as Sarah said, you know, as always, we'll be sending out a follow-up email with today's recording. And if. There are any other questions. I know I'm that person that walks away after having a conversation, and that's when I think of the question that I wanted to ask that person. Um, so there'll be plenty of opportunity to connect back with us then.
1: Mm. Oh, Jane, we had a question come in that I know is near and dear to your heart and mine and your mom's. <laughs> <laughs> are there any good resources for purchasing secondhand where we can and or purchase local for gifts and food, et
0: cetera, for the holiday? Uh, Yes, absolutely. It is near and dear to my heart. Thank you, Sarah. You know me so well. Uh, So what I would recommend there, we have a great selection of local secondhand consignment stores in our Iowa City area, Uh, so much so that a few years ago we actually made an entire directory uh, that's an interactive map. You can see where all these different stores are located, um, what their hours are, go to their website, et cetera. Um, so in the email that we send out with the recording, I can include a link in there to the consignment directory. Like I said, a whole, we're, we're really lucky in this community. We've got a whole lot of options if you're looking to do secondhand. Yeah.
1: yeah. And in terms of buying local, you know, we also have a number of wonderful businesses locally that make all kinds of things. Um, that are you know from a climate perspective it's almost always better to buy something locally than it is to have it shipped in just because you're not getting those individual shipping costs incurred in terms of the greenhouse gas emissions and you know i will say i love that this attendee mentioned food specifically as a gift yeah i will say that myself when i think about giving gifts um no matter if it's a holiday or a birthday or what have you i love to give food because i know that food is something that everybody needs Mm -hmm. and that is most likely not going to end up in the landfill right and generally for food packaging Um, particularly the kinds of food we give as gifts so things like bottles of wine Um, that packaging has some good recycling options too so I always think of like food as a great winner in terms of climate-based gift giving
0: even better if you grow it yourself people love that yeah and uh, I don't have the dates in my head yet um, but we do have a few great holiday markets that come up around uh, late November, early December, typically. And there's some fabulous vendors at those that do a lot of local goods. It could be, uh, you know, I've seen mittens made from upcycled sweaters or local soap makers or, you know, all sorts of different really cool goods. And there's some good opportunity for some some local delicious foods too that you could give as gifts. Um, a little bit more like shelf stable stuff, popcorns, nuts, et cetera.
1: Yeah. yeah, and that includes, you know, the holiday market that's run through our own farmers' market here locally. So great area for it. Thanks for the wonderful question. Yeah. It looks like we've got another one that's, I think right up your alley, Jane. Um, this attendee is asking, can bubble wrap like those Amazon plastic type envelopes and they're saying, so those cannot be put in the plastic bag
0: bins at grocery stores? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, This is similar to the fireworks question in that there are some types that are stretchy, a similar material to what we typically see for a retail shopping bag, like a grocery shopping bag. that are okay to put in that type of program. Um, And then there are others that are a little bit more stiff and crinkly and would not be okay. So uh, what, what I'm saying here without saying it, the rule of thumb, if we're thinking of plastic film and what typically can be accepted in those participating store plastic bag recycling programs, if it's something that stretches like a plastic grocery shopping bag, Um, it's usually okay. If it's something that's stiff and crinkly and doesn't give, um, a good example of that might be a a grape bag in the produce section. Um, It's just a very ungiving type of plastic film. Uh, That's something that we would not want in this program. It's just cannot be recycled in the same way. Um, That particular example, though, I can include a little bit more information in the email that we send out. Um, The company that, for example, like hy works with, is called Trex and they've got a really great uh, list on their website of things that they can or cannot accept. And what they're doing with the uh, materials that they collect is they're making some awesome, durable decking that is, it sort of looks like wood, but it's recycled plastic and it's very, very durable. So, you know, great company, love what they're doing. Um, I'll look into that again and I can send out that resource. Happy to in that email.
1: Yeah, you know, and it's worth noting that those programs run by the grocery store, even though they're run here in town, they're not regulated by City Hall. Those are independent programs. And so when you have a question like that, often the best thing to do is actually ask someone at that store, is it okay for me to put this item in these recycling bins? Because they're Mm going to know and have the most up-to-date information about how those programs work and the contracts they have and the vendors they're working for. Um, so it never hurts to go to the source and i will just say as a side note you know um, not to call any one company to the ground but um, those kinds of plastic envelopes and plastic packaging um, that come from these speedy delivery services that have recycling symbols on them like be very skeptical of those i would say i know that they cause a lot of heartburn on our end because people see the plastic recycling symbol on it and assume that it can go into the curbside recycling bin, which is not the case. Um, And then finding alternatives uh, can often be difficult. Like, I think that's a really good example. Um, Let's say best case scenario of a company that is conscious that they need to do better and is trying to do so by identifying some materials that might be recycled, but, Um, worst case scenario could be actually an example of greenwashing where, you know, the recycling symbol is being put on it, even though there may not be great recycling options for that item. So when in doubt, you can always reach out to Jane. You can always reach out to the store to find out if they accept those items. And, you know, in the end, it's another great argument for shopping locally because nothing you buy locally is going to come to you in an envelope with, with a questionable recycling symbol on it.
0: Yeah. Uh, And, you know, I have a lot of residents that'll email me photos of a material that they're not sure about, and that's usually the most helpful for me, um, because as we've talked about with the fireworks and with the plastic film examples, there are so many variations, sometimes a photo just simplifies it for me, and I can give you a yes no on that as well.
1: So we got another question for you Jane. Yeah. With the cold coming and more time spent inside, um, you know folks like to do a fall clean out, good for you. Um, are there any planned events for unusual items to recycle or turn in things like, you know, a collection event for batteries or paint or medicine or has, household hazardous material? Is there somewhere that people can look to see when those drives are happening?
0: Yeah, we actually had one this weekend for uh, pharmaceuticals and sharps um, out at the Eastside Recycling Center. So just as a note on that, we do a... any sort of medicine, it could be controlled or non-controlled substances, and anyone that uses uh, syringes, if you're diabetic or, you know, for whatever medical connect uh, condition you have where you have to use sharps, we can accept all of those materials at an October event, and usually the other event we do is in April. Um, we occasionally do hazardous material mobile events, and that could be Uh, some types of medicines, sharps, and then a whole range of other types of hazardous material, cleaners, lawn care items, etc. We don't have one planned in the near future. Um, Part of that is staffing capacity concerns. Um, But I will say for these types of things, um, we have worked to expand the existing programs that we have and make it a little bit more convenient to go to the actual, actual location of where we run this program. So for example, if we're looking at things like batteries, paint, hazardous stuff, um, the hazardous material collection facility is located at the landfill. I understand that can sometimes be a barrier to get out to the landfill. Um, it's located out there for good reason because it's hazardous material, so We have to be very, very conscious about where we're storing it and how we're storing it. But we've changed that to be, you know, no appointment needed, just regular open hours Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's no cost drop off. Um, Similarly, with things like glass batteries, et cetera, really trying to expand those satellite locations where people can bring those materials. Um, light bulbs as well. So I see somebody just popped in a question about light bulbs. Similar to batteries, we've got a number of drop-off locations for light bulbs throughout the community, including both those ACE hardwares where we also have the battery drop-off program. So that was a long-winded answer at saying no, in the near future, we don't have another drop-off planned. Um, In general, we do events a few times a year, um, and we do promote those through our regular communication channels. So news release, website, social media, et cetera.
1: You know, if I could make a little pitch for not waiting for an event, but just going ahead and loading up those materials and driving them to a drop-off location, Um, You know, in the recycling community, you've seen a lot of discussion around this about moving away for these events, because one of the things they do is encourage people to hold on to materials for a long time, you know, until there's an event that they can go to. And what we see when we do that is that a lot of materials that could be reused or um, disposed of more safely end up running out of those options just with the passage of time. So I'm thinking of things like Paints, you know, we have a wonderful program and exchange program here um, with not just paints but household cleaners. If you take them out to the landfill and drop them off there and they're still usable. They get put on a shelf where any other resident can come and reuse them. And this is something that Jane and I have talked about many, many times that reuse is better than recycling like if there's a reuse option we want to pursue that first right but you and I know like if we leave paint just hanging around in our basement endlessly, like eventually it dries out and can't be used. Mm -hmm. The same story, well, it's a slightly different story, but for things like batteries, you know, one of the things we see in our battery drives is that battery hoarding is a real thing. People, you know, tend to Hold on to them until you got like a critical mass of them to take somewhere. And when we do that, we start seeing um, those batteries start corroding, like if they get a little white powder around them. That's hazardous. That's a battery starting to break down. So it's better to get it out of your house. Like it's better because then it's not a hazard in your house that could cause a fire. And it also leaves open the possibility of those batteries being recycled or reused. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jane, but when they start corroding like that, that basically is the end of the recycling possibilities for that. At that point, that battery has to be disposed of instead of reprocessed. Am I right about that?
0: Uh, I think it can depend um, on type of battery and how severe um, we, in general, with those types of batteries, we've got a completely separate bin that they are placed in. So I would I would actually assume that, yeah, in a lot of cases, that's, that's the reality just with looking at how we're sorting those out, because at that point, it's a safety issue. Um, it's beyond recovering materials. Um, you know, again, it could be a case by case basis, but really at that point, it's let's prevent a fire from happening because this is a damaged battery.
1: You know, the same goes for those light bulbs, especially the compact fluorescent light bulbs. They have mercury in them. Like, you want them out of your house. Like, you don't want them sitting around waiting to break. So, you know, if you have a good day and a good opportunity to bundle these things up and take them out to the drop-off sites, that's almost always a better option.
0: Yeah, for light bulbs, too. So, uh, Sarah, you mentioned CFLs have a little bit of mercury in them. LEDs have a little bit of lead in them. So those two types of light bulbs, which is really what we're seeing the the vast majority of now um, on the market, the Those two types of light bulbs can be recycled at no cost to residents. I mentioned the two drop-offs at the ACE Hardwares. We also have a light bulb bin at uh, Eastside Recycling Center via Habitat Restore, so just around the back with donations at uh, the Iowa City landfill, of course. And then if you live somewhere else in Johnson County, we've got several partner communities um, such as Tiffin or North Liberty or Lone Tree, et cetera, where you can take those light bulbs to be recycled at no cost. So it looks
1: like we've got one more question and it's about the brown or green small plastic containers that had like pet meds in them or human meds, you know, those particular kinds of plastic bottles. Um, And this person's asking whether or not they can be put in the regular plastic container. So I think by this, they mean, can they be put in the curbside recycling bin or do you need to handle those old med containers differently?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, In general, um, if I'm thinking of a medicine bottle or a vitamin bottle, those types of things, um, that's usually a material that we can take once empty, cleaned out uh, via our recycling. And yeah, if you're at one of the drop-off locations, you can put that directly in the plastic bin. Um, Or if you're curbside recycling, that's fine to just go into your curbside bin. The main types of plastic containers that we would be concerned about, um, that may be the shape and type of plastic that we normally would say, yeah, that's fine to recycle. However, it's because of the contents in them that it's a concern. So things like motor oil or fertilizer, um, although the bottle is shaped in such a way that, yeah, it kind of looks the same shape as like a milk jug or an orange juice jug or something like that, where, yeah, it might be a plastic that normally could have been recycled, but because of the hazardous contents in it, we don't want to recycle that plastic. Um, That plastic typically absorbs some of that chemical Um, And from a safety perspective, we discourage that. But medicine should be okay in in the majority of cases. Particularly if it's like pill-based medicine, that really doesn't do much to contaminate the plastic. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Just make sure all that medication is used up. If you've got extra medication that you have not used up, um, like I mentioned, we had an event this past weekend, but you do not need to wait for another one of those events most local pharmacies actually have drop bins that are anonymous. You can just go up and put like, you know, pills that are expired or that you don't need anymore in a Ziploc bag um, or in a container that you don't need anymore. That's got your information sharpied out um, and you can get those properly disposed of that way. Um, And then that empty bottle can be recycled. Yep. So
1: great questions, everyone. Thanks for the awesome participation.
0: I don't see any
1: more questions coming in. So I think that about wraps it up for today's discussion. Jane, before we go, do you want to say anything about what's in store for our next Speaking Of? I know that we're going to be taking November off because you're going to be busy with America Recycles Day.
0: Yeah, good idea. Uh, So in November, we are holding with America Recycles Day going on. uh, We do have a bit of a variation of a speaking of event. It's going to be on November 19th at the Eastside Recycling Center. We're calling it Ask Jane and Jen. Uh, So I will be one of the people there in addition to Jen Jordan, who's our resource management superintendent. So we'll be out at Eastside in the parking lot from 830 to 1030 a.m. on November 19th. Uh, We'll have warm beverages. We'll have some sweet treats uh, that are free for anyone that wants to come chat with us. Um, This is really an opportunity. We invite anyone to stop by, uh, have a conversation with us, get any of your burning recycling questions, uh, not only answered, but also in person. So, you know, we're, we're happy to have any of those conversations clear up any confusions there may be.
1: That sounds like so much fun. I should have saved my fireworks question for that day so I'd have an excuse to come out. I'll have to think of another question so I can stop
0: by. Yeah, please do. And, you know, I also, Eastside Recycling Center has been around for a decade at this point. And I feel like I still talk to a lot of people that have never been out there. So please, you know, if you've never been out to the Eastside Recycling Center, this is a great opportunity to come see it. Um, And, you know, we're happy to kind of, show you around and tell you what is all on site so everyone is welcome cool
1: you know and then in december you and i are going to be back on zoom with a fun sort of end of year recap that we're calling speaking of your questions answered one of the truly great parts about your job and mine jane is that we get so many interesting questions from residents not just in these conversations but you know just through the course of a normal work day and uh, a lot of them come to us actually after these speaking of questions when someone has an idea that occurs to them um, and then they email us about it. But because we get them afterward, yeah. we don't get a chance to share them and the answers with others. So we thought we'd host a year-end recap where we talk about some of the more fascinating and fun things that we have discovered and learned ourselves answering these questions along the way. And then we're gonna open the floor just like we did today to see how many other questions we can answer or at least how many other homework assignments, we can get to look up the answers because we're always very happy to do the research for residents here. Um, we are really hoping that you all will tune in and put us through our paces, because we learned so much from all these great and thoughtful questions.
0: We do. And yeah, we're we're excited about both of these events. Um, hopefully we'll see you at one or both of them to all of our attendees. So thank you for everyone for tuning in with us today. And however you celebrate, we hope you have happy holidays.
1: Yes. Happy holidays, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a good afternoon.